It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning, 56.7 degrees outside right now. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful. And one of the ways that I try to bring success into your life and my life, too, is to bring in people much smarter than me. And this today we have somebody just like that. Clint Waltz is the, what is your complete title, Clint? Turf grass specialist. Grass dude. The, <laughs> the grass dude for the University Indeed. of Georgia who does, uh, is stationed down in Griffin, and you have test plots for grass. You have all sorts of things you do all over the state, really. We do. We've got uh, actually faculty in Athens, Griffin, and Tifton, but majority of our turf faculty are located in Griffin. Uh-huh. And, uh, we have a little over 25 acres where we grow just about every grass that, uh, that we have here in the state of Georgia. We've got there in Griffin such that we can do research work on and evaluate uh-huh. and uh, that kind of thing. So if you have a grass that you're wondering, will it work here? Well, you see it somewhere else in the world, you think, now, would it work here? Clint would be the man to ask. Yep. We've Again, probably tried to grow it, and sometimes successful, sometimes not That's right. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn You know, one of the things we talked about earlier, Clint, was I mentioned this morning early that I walk up and down my street and don't look at things as closely as I should. You drive a lot around the state to your various turf uh, research plots. What are you seeing you drive around the countryside. Well, it's uh, right now it's a situation where I'd say the last eight weeks or so has had an impact on on our grasses. Um, I'm kind of like you. I tend to look low and, yeah. and, and look at the the short green ornamental out there more so than than others. So the drought that we've had, or at least the low rainfall that we've had, and, and the temperatures, uh, the impacts that those have had on on our grasses. So I'm yeah. seeing a lot of drought stressed lawns, a lot of drought drought stressed areas, and um, it's it's statewide, uh, anywhere from I was down in Valdosta about a week and a half, two weeks ago, to Athens and, and North Georgia. So tall fescues, the centipede grasses, yeah. they're they're all suffering right now. And uh, this, today's rain is very welcome. And my fear is it may be a little too little, a little too late. Uh, so what does that mean then for next spring? If you have stressed grass in the fall, what about next spring? Well, that's part of my concern right now, um, quite honestly. And uh, after 18 years at UGA, it seems like this is the first year we've kind of really had this, where we were dry and, and hot through the late summer and, yeah. and September. Uh, that's the time where special warm season grasses should be photosynthesizing and storing sugars and, and reserves for coming out next spring. Yeah. And uh, as drought as they or as, as dry as they were, and losing losing that leaf canopy and that photosynthetic capability in the, in September and early October, um, I'm not sure we've we've stored away the reserves that we need to. So next spring, uh, our warm season grasses could be very slow coming out. And uh, as I've told some folks, I'm not rainbows and unicorns right now because if we get that <laughs> if we get that late cold snap in in the spring, um, so our grasses green up in the spring, get a yeah. late cold snap and then send them back into dormancy. Uh, they could be our, our warm season species could be real slow coming out next spring. Like how late? How slow? Oh gosh, knows. I, my crystal ball is only so good, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me. We have some issues well into first middle of June next year. June uh, wouldn't surprise me, and and a lot of that's going to just stem back into the fact that that our grasses just weren't green and putting mm-hmm. away the reserves in August, September, and October this year. So um, 
you know, folks out, out, you know, please be patient with your your landscapers next year. <laughs> um, I was thinking to myself in May and June, book Clint to come in every Saturday and answer these nice people's <laughs> questions about why their Bermuda grass, why their zoysia grass looks so horrible right now. Yeah, and you can explain that to them. What you said back in October of 2019. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I've looked at some data, and this year we've we've had over. And this is off the Griffin stick. Uh, campus, so uh, the weather station on the Griffin campus. That's about as central, somewhere between Valdosta and, yeah. and LJ, right? Um, Sixty-five days over ninety degrees. Um, interestingly, back in twenty sixteen, we had eighty-one. But if you look at the last day that was over eighty-five in sixteen, it was September fifteenth. So it was not hot in October like it was. We this were year. we were front loaded. Uh-huh. So between May one and and October, <clears throat> uh, like I said, we had um, uh, sixty-five days. This year it was very back loaded. So we were very hot well into, uh, what's that, October 6th, 5th, 6th, something like that, where we were over 90 degrees. So um, hot and dry um, on much of that, uh, it, it very different time of period, and uh, um, it, I'm not looking forward to next spring already. <laughs> Me either, as a matter of fact. Thanks, so. Clint. By the way, if you listen to this show very often, you realize that sometimes you get information here that you will not get any other place, not from your lawn service company, not from anybody in the, on the Internet. You get, look for scientists who really know what they're talking about. Clint knows what he's talking about. Take his advice to heart. Be aware that next spring could be a real tough time for your grasses, for the warm season grasses particularly. Jeff is up in Cumming, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Hey, we all right. What's happening? Um, I have a wooded area that is very rocky as far as like maybe pebbles, the softball size is larger. Yeah. And I was wanting to put a covering over it. There's just trees there. There's no other ground cover. And I was wanting my son to, uh, use that area for his dirt bike. He's seven years old. Okay. And it's going to erode a lot on a hill. So I'm wondering what kind of covering like monkey grass or whatever I can, cover this area with so it won't erode and kind of maybe keep other things from growing. Are we talking a big, big area, Jeff, or like 10 by um, 20, or how big are we talking? Uh, oh, no, it's probably about, uh, I don't know, uh, a quarter of an acre. Mm. Maybe a third. Hmm. And how how deep is the shade? Is it really really shady, or sort of light shade from tall trees? Um, it, in, in the morning, uh, the anthers from the yard uh, it gets some sun for maybe an hour, and then it's pretty much solid shade. Man, oh man, Jeff, give me an easy question next time, please. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have an answer for you this morning. In shade that deep, monkey grass probably would grow there. It's not going to be real thick and heavy because it doesn't have the sunshine. And grass, grasses or plants, is what plants eat is sunshine. And you've got an hour of sunshine during the day, and a plant would like to have four at least. Eight would be great. Okay. Now, now what about moss? The dirt bike going over the top of it? It'll last about a week, maybe. Maybe four days. Well, I mean, I plan on having a trail, so he would oh. be in just one beat-down pat area. But then yeah. the rest of the area where he wouldn't go... Uh, I'm just trying to keep the erosion down. So yeah. my property's pretty angled. Help me out. Where are you located? Uh, in Cummings. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and this is kind of a a hit and hope, if you will. <laughs> um, and generally, I don't recommend the fine fescues because we're way too warm in the state of Georgia. But they will persist to some degree. And uh, in a site and environment like what you're describing, 
you may want to think about something other like um, a chewing fescue or a red fescue or something like that. They they will germinate. They're going to be slow. Uh, they will persist in in protected environments. And of our turf species out there, your your fine fescues are probably some of the most shade persistent grasses out there you won't ever have anything that looks like a, a football field with it but you can yeah. at least have some grass out there that'll help stabilize some of that soil um you know if you told me you were atlanta south uh, i wouldn't even hope that that would be yeah. but but being in a little bit of a protected environment and some shade and as far north as coming uh you might look at uh, just some of the fine fescues that 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 may wind up providing some some relief in there and some stabilization. Let's make sure, Clint, that <clears throat> Jeff knows what you're talking about. When you say fine fescue, you're mm-hmm. not talking about Kentucky 31. You're not no. talking about Rebel Supreme. You're not talking about those fescues. No. That's a different species completely. Fine fescue, define that for us. Well, fine fescues are things like Festuca rubra. Um, and then um, and you can buy those at hardware stores and places? Uh, this might be one, again, where I'm, I'm kind of a little out there, is, is I might would look on the Internet for those. Um, every now and then we'll sign, find some shade mixes mm-hmm. in our big box retails that have a fine fescue as a component of the mix. But in this case, I wouldn't waste my time with including some of the tall fescues like what you just mentioned of the Rebel Supremes or the K31s or anything like that. So you're looking for what is truly chewing fescue, red fescue, fescue, sheep's fescue, uh, those on them. So you might go to the to the Internet and wind up uh, finding some of those. You won't won't find those real local. Chewing chewing gum? Chewing gum, yeah. Chewing chewing fescue, yes. And, And you said sheep fescue? Sheep. Like bad okay. sheep, sheep, okay, or red fescue. Okay, and these are sound more likely red. to be. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and and these are uh, most likely to be obtained on the internet, like none of the big box stores or um, uh, this far south. No, they wouldn't be in the big box retail stores. Not as a as a sole. Now, if you lived up in Illinois, you probably would, but but not around here. So. Um, yeah, I'd go to the internet, I think, and see if you could find a source of, of, of some fine fescues. And you might find some mixes there. And again, it's a little bit of a hit and hope. It's out there, and you've got a real unique site to, to, to give that a shot for. But Jeff, your job, if it works, if it works, Jeff, we want to hear from you again. Sometimes Clint can know all the things in the world, but a hit and a hope. Sometimes you just think maybe there's a possibility, and Jeff's going to help us figure out if it works that well in coming. Maybe it will. Let us know, Jeff. We want to know what happens to you. It's 717 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Walter Reeves' Lawn and Garden and Dave Baker's Home Fix-It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News Team, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Walter. Well, it's all. It is all right. Clint Waltz here with me. He rides around South Georgia and looks at things, and I walk around North Georgia and look at things. It is all right sometimes to look at things all over our landscapes and our turf areas. My number, 404-872-0750. A little weather prediction brought to you today by Finley Roofing. Today, high of 61, low of 54, but 100% chance of rain. That makes it all right today. Sunday, 77 degrees is high, 57 is low, but only a 10% chance of rain. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. Mark is over Snellville, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mark, good morning. Good morning. Hey, Mark, what's up? 
Hey, uh, I have a two-year-old oak in my backyard that I want to keep under control, and this tree is about 20 feet tall right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, is it okay to, like, cut it at 10 feet and every year, like, cut it at 10, 15 feet yeah. and keep this oak tree small? I don't know anything about pruning oak trees. Well. But uh, before this tree gets too big and shades all my grass in my backyard, <laughs> I want to know. I want to know if I can... Maybe keep it under control. If not, I've got to get rid of it. Well, you know what bone, you know what bonsai is, Mark. Bonsai is just the sure. dwarfing of trees to make them just whatever size and shape and form you want. So in a sense, you're making a bonsai out of your oak tree. It wants to be 50 to 80, 90 feet tall, but Mark wants it to be 10 to 20 feet tall. If you have the time and are agile with the ladder and don't think you'll fall out, you can do it. Yes, the pruning technique is more than I really want to go into right now. But there are ways of thinning out trees that tend to um, not hurt the tree particularly, but do open the tree up to let more light go through them. And that's what you do want. So maybe one time, Mark, hire an ISA certified arborist to say, this is what I want. I need some advice on how to thin this oak, let light through. Teach me enough that next year I won't be in danger to myself or my chainsaw or anybody else. And uh, then next year, do it yourself. But you can do it. Yeah, you can. So I should get uh, expert advice because it's pretty common. Always, always good to have expert advice. If you don't know how to prune limbs and which limbs to prune, if you prune it the wrong way, you'll get just lots and lots of little sprouts. Those little sprouts will be dense and take shade onto your lawn, and you don't want that. You want the sprout that will. You want to make a cut anyway. You want to make a cut that does not regrow, but allows light to come down. And that. Well, my. My biggest question really is, I, I just want to cut this thing at like 10 feet, and right. I, I was thinking, am I am I just going to kill it? No, you're not. Is, is that, okay, so I can just cut it in half and uh, see how it goes. As long as it's healthy, as long as it's healthy, well cared for, watered in the summertime, um, you know, fertilizer, maybe some mulch underneath, keep the roots cool. If you have a healthy tree, I think you can. You bring up an interesting part right there, Walter, the the roots. Uh, Mark made the comment that he wants to to have the tree and have some grass there too. Yeah. So even though if he's if if he's capable of keeping the tree at a reasonable height and allowing some light through for the grass, the the other competitor there is are those tree roots. Yeah. And trees will uh, always win when it comes to competing for light, water, space, and nutrients. So those roots will will outcompete the turf. So even if he's keeping it at ten feet, he may have a situation where he's 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 competing with his turf and maintain a a, a happy turf Again, because of those roots. The situation where an ISA arborist, ISA International Society of Arboriculture, get an ISA certified arborist, going to come out there and advise you. as smart people, smarter than me, and even smarter than Clint. Yep, and they can tell you a little bit more about how to prune the tree and to keep the roots under control as well. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 736 and 57 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful. This morning we're broadcasting with Clint Waltz, the University of Georgia turf program there. And we're going to make people happy too, Clint, because you're going to decide on a number between two and seven. A number right. between two and seven. Don't tell me yet. Okay. Don't tell me now. Okay. okay, two and seven. 
The person that you choose will win a pair of tickets to see the Eagles on their 2020 tour, which opens for two nights at the State Farm Arena, February the 7th, Friday, February 7th, Saturday, February 8th, and possibly a third one on the 9th. We're not sure yet. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. They'll perform the whole Hotel California. That's your album, Clint. Hotel California. And also they'll have a symphony orchestra there, and they will have other big hits as well. Somebody's going to have a real, real good time. I can't imagine the Eagles without Glenn Frey. Yeah, yeah. So So somewhere between two and seven, who shall win? Number four. To our fourth caller to our contest line, which is 404-741-0750. Fourth caller wins tickets to see the Eagles. Let's go to the phone. Sylvia has been waiting very patiently for a while. Hey, Sylvia. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. What's up? I am trying to save a sweetheart rose bush that's over 70 years old. It's been adjacent to... Uh, a number of knockout rose bushes that I was late discovering had the rosette virus. Uh. I dug up the um, knockout roses, and I've gotten, everybody I've asked has given me different advice on what I can best do to to hope that I save the sweetheart rose bush. Do you uh, see any symptoms on the rose? Not yet. So no brooming, no red foliage, no thorniness, no common symptom of the uh, rose rosette yet? There's a curly stem at the base that I've never seen before, and mm-hmm. I did see that on one of the uh, knockouts. Is that a sign- symptom of Yeah, it? can can be. Um, S- Sylvia, I'm not going to tell you directly now. You've got to dig it up and throw it away. You can wait and see what happens. But I think, I think that in about six months you're going to look at yourself and say, Walter said it's going to not turn out very well, and I think that's what's the situation going to be, Sylvia. Your sweetheart rose is going to have knockout have the rose rosette virus in it. If that sprout at the bottom, it's going to come up and curl around and around, and some of the new growth next spring is going to have lots of broominess and thorniness to it, and eventually you're going to say, I just can't keep it anymore. In the interest of my neighbors who have roses as well, my other roses in the other part of the yard, this one needs to go. Because that is the treatment for rose rosette virus disease, is dig it up, dispose of it completely. Um, what about the uh, pine straw and the dirt that was around the knockouts? Generally speaking, they don't carry the mite. This is a disease that is carried by mites. Little eensy weensy. Eensy weensy. Is that a word, Clint? Uh, on the scientific topic, side, it is. But I yeah. keep reading. Okay, <laughs> the scientific side, Clint says that eensy is one word, teensy weensy is another one. But yours is very eensy and teensy and weensy as well. Um, so I don't have to move the pine straw? Just for fun, I would, just for be safety's sake. But generally speaking, there's not going to be any bugs or mites or anything like that on the pine straw or the chips, either one. So if you, I think you should, but I don't say that there is a chance much that it's going to transmit the disease through the, through the chips or the straw. No. I was sold copper fun- fungicide uh, as one way to keep down the mm-hmm. the mites where the knockout roses were. I haven't used it yet. I've been sold Rose Shield and yeah. the three-in-one rose and flower care to try to make the sweetheart rose bush strong. Um, I, I want to give it its best possible shot. If you want to see some research, real scientific, what really is seems to be working or maybe not working right now, 
There's a website called roserosette.org. Roserosette.org. If you go to that website, you'll see the fields they've planted and all the varieties of roses in the world to see if any of them show any resistance to the disease. I don't think they've found one yet. And you can see what their recommendation is for citizens like yours and see what they think you should do. Roserosette.org. Okay. And do you have any other thoughts about how to make this rose bush as strong and resilient as possible? Prune out anything you think looks like rose rosette symptoms. The broom part, where the sprouts come up and are real um, broomy at the ends of the branches, prune those out as quick as you notice it and see it. Hopefully you can keep the mite population down as low as possible. Maybe that will extend the life of of the sweetheart for a while, but I cannot say it's going to be 100%. And should I fertilize it or not fertilize it? Yeah, a little bit of light fertilizer wouldn't hurt anything. Not a heavy fertilization. Fertilizer won't cure it, no. And any other disease or insect control products, would that be good uh, for it? Mites are so tiny. These little mites are so tiny. They get way down in the bud. And insecticides and miticides just don't go deep enough into the flower. They don't go deep enough to hurt them. So... Those would be totally useless to make it strong. And that copper fungicide, take it back. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't help anything either. Okay. Sorry about that, Sylvia, but I'm here to tell you the truth and not try to sell you anything. You That's can, why I called you. You can buy whatever you want, but none of it works so far. These are all returnable. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Sylvia. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Donna Ann in Fairburn, Georgia, has a common critter, and Clint Waltz can help her with it. Hey, Donna Ann, good morning. Good morning. Hey, what you got? Well, my daughter's neighborhood is infested with armadillos. They have destroyed or destroying the the yards. They've hired trappers, but not catching that many. What to do? Brother Clint, what do you oh, say? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, you and I talked a little bit of this off the air, and uh, it's one of those that I wish I had a really good answer for, quite honestly. Uh, and, and this is not an uncommon question. I've I've had several of these over the last four to five, six weeks of landscapers throughout the state, as well as homeowners calling or emailing about armadillos. And uh, what we've seen is with, with uh, the dry conditions we've had is they tend to be gravitating towards irrigated lawns and areas where moisture is. Uh, as, well, I, as the ground has dried out, they can't dig because they're eating grubs and, and earthworms. So um, they, in those, those soils where they can actually dig and get down and, and burrow uh, for, for food is, is where they are. And you know, irrigated lawns, is, is they're tearing those things up right now. Um, right. And uh, so some folks say, well, can I go out with an insecticide and take care of the grubs? Well, you can take care of the grubs, but that's not their only food source. It's earthworms as well. So there's nothing that's labeled out there that, for, for earthworms, and generally we don't want to, to, to kill off earthworms, so those, those are beneficial in our soils. So it's a little bit of a very nuisance pest. Um, the things I'd like to recommend are things your, your local law enforcement would probably discourage me from, from, from suge- suggesting. <laughs> right. Uh, well, we've it. tried that, too. <laughs> um, and uh, as a matter of fact, I'm dealing with one of those as well, so um, uh, one of those terrible critters as well. Um, uh, in, in mine and my neighbor's yard, we're, we're trying to share a options to do it um i need to talk to some of my wildlife folks and i've thought about the have a heart traps sure. um and armadillos have bad eyesight and bad hearing um their smells real good so the traps i know you have to get a kind of a funnel type of thing to yeah. kind of bring them in and uh you know, 
some folks said, I'll put cat food or something like that, and you get every cat in the neighborhood, you want to trap it in. <laughs> so I thought, yeah. what happens if I go down to Home Depot, or not Home Depot, but Walmart or local um, 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 outdoor store and maybe buy some red wigglers or some earthworms and put in there? You know, would that be enough to wind up possibly attracting the the armadillos into the have a hearts and and it's just me kind of off the cuff and Ugh. putting a few things together so i don't know on that but uh you know it might be worth a try a try if you get a, a good have a heart trap and get a get a strong one because armadillos they can tear up a, i've seen what they will do to a to a less than sturdy uh trap they will yeah. tear it up uh once wow, they're, okay they're so um they're they're it's a difficult critter and um some folks say oh they're not supposed to be this far north they are. They are everywhere in Georgia right now. Yep. And Donna Ann, let me give you a, a hint, the tip that someone a couple of weeks ago now gave me, and I think it does have merit because, as Clint pointed out, they can't see very well, they can't hear very well, they do smell pretty good. And even though the grubs and the chicken, uh, the cat food and things like that don't seem to attract them, this woman had taken a have a heart trap and put it on top of a sheet of cardboard. And she said, I caught one armadillo, and he just wet that thing down. He just peed all over it. And then I took the trap away, disposed of the armadillo, put it back on top of the uh, urinated cardboard. And she said it was like one, two, three, four, five. You caught all the armadillos in the neighborhood who somehow oh. smelled the urine and thought, man, hmm, might be another girl armadillo over here, a boy armadillo over there. Maybe I should go investigate. Pheromones. There's pheromones, pheromones, yeah. In that, that, uh, and that's one way to do it. Or if you have a friend, Donnie, that knows how to make a, what I call a wooden rabbit box, a wooden rabbit trap. And you may have a friend who knows how to do that, but a rabbit trap made out of wood. Another thing, and double-ended, too, the people who I talk to that might know what they're talking about say they have a double-ended wooden trap. The armadillo goes in, they trip the little trigger thing inside, and the, uh, the door goes down on both ends, and they, of course, pee the whole inside of the trap. These people say the same thing. So as soon as it smells like armadillo pee or armadillo pheromones or something like that, that you do have a higher catch rate than just having a clean trap out there. Sounds like a business Great. opportunity here for someone yeah, to wind up bottling that stuff. So, uh, the same people who do the coyote urine, the wolf urine, the lion uh, urine. How many how many guys are in the woods right now dousing themselves down with deer urine to, yeah. uh, to attract deer? So uh, it might Somebody be a business opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody collects okay. the armadillo urine. <laughs> Well, they've tried everything but that, so that sounds great. They've been putting out the trap, yeah, and they do have these wooden traps that you're talking about. Good, good. But um, and they have um, put out these um, um, these little fences yeah, leading good. to the trap, right? And they've caught a few, but there's still so many that are just still destroying the yards. My understanding is, is when they have a clutch of armadillos, you don't have one; you have four. Uh, so anytime that a female has a, a clutch or a litter of, uh -huh. of armadillos, you don't get one, you get four. And um, there's something different about the sex or the way not, the sex not is like determined. rats, exactly. We have 10 or 15 at one time, but four is enough. Four that, is enough to that's, increase That's the what I understand is a litter of armadillo will come in as a standard of yeah. four. And then there's something about how the sex is determined right. based on soil temperatures or something along those lines, too. It's, it's an interesting critter, but it's a, it's a nuisance for sure. You just have to keep after them, Donna Ann. Just keep after them as much as you can. Trap as many as you can. Buy some traps on your own. Just keep going to it. And after a year or two, maybe you'll get some control of the armadillos. It's 748 at News Talk WSB. More Lawn and Garden after this. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Walter Reeves on Saturday mornings on your Amazon Echo or Dot? And me too, weekday mornings. Just say, Alexa, play WSB. And we're on. 
95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Here's Walter. intro there we go there we go the eagles finally a little bit of hotel california there for us quick weather update brought to you by finley roofing today high of 61 low of 54 100 percent chance of rain it's raining right now my friends i love 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 that tomorrow 77 is the high 57 the low 10 percent chance of rain sad to say but i hope you get a little bit monday 77 and 61 the full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. Now, Ray in Powder Springs has a problem. I think Clint can help him with this. We will find out. Hey, Ray, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey, hey I enjoy your newsletter. Thank you, thank you. Hey, uh, moss and algae, I guess, for lack of a better word, on my fence and moss on my roof and my garage. Yeah. What can I use on it? All right, Brother Waltz. Uh, wait a minute. He's pointing at me. Now, Clinton is pointing at me, and after I pointed to him, is it on your roof or in your lawn, or where did you say it is, Ray? I got some. I got real bad moss on the uh, side. Part of the uh, roof is covered by uh, a large, huge yeah. uh, maple tree. Yeah. Moss is growing on it pretty bad, and like, my fence has got, like, algae-looking, green-looking. Sure. Lichens and oh, things like that growing it too. Like it. I tell you what, Ray, I have had um, moss, algae, something growing on my cover, on my uh, barbecue, on my grill, on my on my deck, and it got to looking so ugly that I thought, what can I use? Put on there to spray on it to make the moss go away. The stuff that I use that worked just great was called Wet and Forget. Got it from a uh, Yeah, store. I was going to ask him. I wasn't too sure about that. Okay. Yeah. One yeah. one other thing uh, about the armadillo problem when that oh, woman's yeah. happened. Yeah. How about um, cayenne pepper, boil it up in some water and spray it around? Um, and science does not support it. Let's put it that way, Ray. If you what's try the, it and it works working? for you, if it works for you, more power to you. There's so many okay. things that I base my recommendation on something I've seen that science or enough you know, recommendation from other people who know what they're talking about has turned out correct. That's what I base yeah. my recommendations yeah. on. Nobody yet has said that cayenne pepper has done anything to make an armadillo go away. They say it works on possums. Well, Raccoons. I guess that's a good thing. All right, good, good, good. If mm. it works uh, on armadillos and it works for you, Ray, again, more power to you. More thank power you all. To you. Enjoy your program. All right. Thank you, Ray. Bye. I think that's one of the things, Clint, that you and I face with every day is folks who have done the way Grandma did it or Grandpa yeah. did it and their neighbors do it. Yes, you and I, though, we base our recommendations and our work on science. Right. I, I like to see some replicated trials on things and yeah. things being repeated and, and kind of go through the scientific method. So uh, it's that's where I'll base my recommendations yeah. from. A little bit of research, a little bit of personal experience, and we get a little bit of truth sometimes. Yeah. Every now I like to put my observations back to something that's rooted in, yeah. in some science. It's 757 at News Talk WSB, the number 404 872 0750. We'll be back after news. <laughs> 